when we come to the book of Acts and we come to chapter 9, uh, we see uh, here a narrative, a description, one might say, of the good news. Uh, and uh, now of Peter bringing the good news, uh, and not only bringing the good news, but really ministering to the bride uh, and building up the bride uh, and adding to the bride in a very unique kind of way. And so I could be the very first person in history to relate the seven blessings of a Jewish wedding to Acts uh, chapter 9, verses 32 to the end of the chapter. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is indeed about good news. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so here we are. Now, where we have been is we've been talking about Paul. Now, what Luke is doing is he's introduced us to Rab Shaul, to Paul. Uh, and there's an emphasis, there's a geographic emphasis in the, in the book of Acts. Can't get away from it. There's a geographic way that he puts this book together. Uh, and so with the calling of Paul, really he's talking about bringing the gospel to Hellenized Jews. He goes up to Syria. Uh, he comes back to Jerusalem, if you remember. And he uh, it has great difficulty in ministering to the Hellenistic Jews. He himself is from Turkey, a Hellenistic area, although he himself is a Pharisee. Uh, and then he goes to Caesarea and he's sent off to Tarsus, right? All Hellenistic Jewish geography uh, here. So now what Luke does, he's going to leave Paul there in Tarsus for a while. Uh, and now it's like, meanwhile, we come back to Peter, but Peter is not in Jerusalem. Peter is now uh, not far, I'll just say in modern Israel, not far from Tel Aviv. He's, that's where he is. He's in the environs of where Tel Aviv is uh, today. Uh, and uh, in Acts chapter 9, uh, beginning in uh, verse uh, 30, uh, uh, 32, it says, Now it came about that Peter was traveling through all those parts, and he came down also to the saints, the believers. Saints is used in the book of Acts mostly to mean Jewish believers, by the way, as well as in Paul's letters, okay? The saints of Jerusalem, you know, he talks a lot about that, okay? Anyway, so it says here in verse 32, 9, Acts 9, 32, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lida, Lida, okay? Now, Lida... Uh, is uh, uh, southeast of uh, where we might call modern-day uh, Tel Aviv, maybe about uh, 11 or 12 miles. It's about 25 to 30 miles away from Jerusalem. Israel is a small country, right? Uh, and, uh, and that's where he is. Now, uh, in the modern world, if you have been to Israel, raise your hand if you have been to Israel. Just raise your hand if you've been to Israel. I can see, right? Here, I'm even going to go to each screen. I'm going to look. Okay, so a number of you have been to Israel. Oh, so many of you aren't showing your faces, so I don't know that. Okay. But of those of you I can see, some of you have been to Israel. If you have been to Israel, I, as they say, guarantee, guarantee that you have been to Lida. Because the Hebrew name of Lida is Lod, Lod. And that is where 
the ancient airport of Israel was excavated. And, uh, and so the modern airport, uh, the Ben-Gurion airport is right there. Okay, now some of you are not smiling, so I want to be sure to say that I was only joking about the ancient uh, airport excavation. Okay, just, just uh, disre you know, disregard that, okay? Uh, but that is where the airport is uh, today. So if you fly into Israel, you fly to Lida. <laughs> okay, Lod. In fact, it used to be called Lod International Airport. Now it's called Ben-Gurion International Airport. Uh, that is not in verse 32, but I thought I'd throw that in. Okay. So uh, this is where he is. And evidently, these people that were there were probably people who ran away from Jerusalem, you know, from the persecution in Jerusalem and relocated here. Although uh, this was an administrative capital uh, in the Samaria region, uh, kind of like, like the county seat. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Uh, and so there was a lot of activity in Lida, in, in Lod, in, in, in Hebrew. Uh, there were a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, uh, businesses, and, and, you know, and things of that nature. So you, it, there was a, Hel a Hellenistic Jewish uh, a community uh, here. And so it says in verse 33, And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, Aeneas who had been bedridden for eight years, for he was paralyzed. We don't know anything else about this man. And so evidently to Luke, it's not important that we know too much about this man, other than uh, he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden for he was paralyzed. You know, something interesting about this uh, uh, that I don't know if we've ever thought of, you know, in uh, uh, Judaism uh, and in the Jewish world, even in the first uh, uh, century, uh, you know, visiting the sick, uh, was a, a something of great value. And so I, if I was going to guess, I would say that um, for Peter, wherever he went, I, you know, visiting the sick I, is, uh, uh, is something he would do. I, not everyone was healed, but certainly he visited the sick. It comes under the, it's called, you know, Bikur Cholim is visiting the sick, and it's under the heading of gamilut chasadim, gamil, acts of loving kindness, acts of loving kindness, uh, visiting the sick. And so here he's in this city and he visits this man. And uh, uh, But what's important to Luke here is what happens, right? Uh, it says, and Peter said to him, Anas, Yeshua HaMashiach heals you. Arise and make your bed. Immediately he got up, okay? So I, uh, Luke, uh, what we read here uh, is very telling. In this particular uh, healing, this is kind of like a throwback a little bit to what we read in chapter 2 and chapter 3 and 4 and 5 in Acts, where clearly it is the risen Messiah who is alive uh, and doing the healing. He says, Yeshua HaMashiach heals you. He's not, uh, he doesn't say, I'm healing you, right? Uh, but Yeshua HaMashiach uh, heals you. You know, I saw an interesting movie uh, about a week ago. I, and some of you may have seen this. It is a, a caricature of, um, 
you might say, uh, faith healers of uh, the early 20th century. It was called, it's called Elmer Gantry. Anybody ever see that movie, Elmer Gantry? So Elmer Gantry is this person who really wants to do right, but he has a lot of, he has a lot of fleshly problems, right? But there are several scenes that are really telling in this movie where he is, you know, he's having people walk down the sawdust trail in a tent and, you know, and, and all of that. But you can see that the way that what the story is, uh, it was actually, it was a novel by Sinclair Lewis uh, in the late 1920s. Uh, and so you can see that he's kind of like um, putting on a show, putting on a show. But here we see that is not at all uh, what, um, uh, what Peter is doing. It's not about him. He said, Yeshua HaMashiach heals you. Arise, make your bed. And immediately he got up. It wasn't like, uh, you know, he, he, uh, we don't know what happened to him. He immediately gets up and, you, and Peter tells him to do something. I think that's also kind of interesting. Make your bed, right? Uh, it might all, it could have several other meanings, uh, but probably it means make your bed. You know, he gives him something to do. Uh, but then verse 35, and may I su suggest that this is probably a primary reason why I, uh, uh, Luke includes it. It says, all who were living in Lydda and Sharon, Sharon, it's not Sharon, by the way, okay? It's uh, uh, Sharon. It's the plain of Sharon. It's that whole area. Uh, 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 just sort of like it hugs Caesarea and uh, Tel Aviv and Jaffa and goes a little south there. It's like a, it's like a whole region, a whole area, right? Uh, so all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord, right? It was a testimony. Uh, that's why it's there. It's a testimony. So, but you can see it's good news. It certainly was good news for this man, right? And so uh, it helps us, I think, when we read it to appreciate, wow, this was really good news. People turned to the Lord because they saw uh, uh, the presence of, of God in miraculous uh, ways. But it is interesting, you know, these are anecdotal stories. Not everyone is healed, but many people are coming to know the Lord, but this certainly was one of them. And it brings out the fact that Peter is outside of the Jerusalem environs, and he is now in an area that is both Jewish and Gentile, Hellenistic Jewish and Gentile, okay? All right. And that God is alive among the Hellenistic Jews and the Gentiles. All right, now in verse 36. Now in Yaffo, in Joppa, there was a certain dis disciple named Tabitha. Now Joppa, where is that located? Uh, Joppa is, uh, today it's a suburb of Tel Aviv. But in, you know, before it was a suburb of Tel Aviv, uh, Tel Aviv was a suburb of Jaffa. Uh, that's kind of interesting. But uh, anyway, that's where it's, it's just south of Tel Aviv. It's, uh, it's like contiguous. You can't tell where Tel Aviv ends and Jaffa begins today. It's right on the Mediterranean coast. So it was not terribly far from Lida. It was not terribly far from Lod. Peter could walk there in a day or maybe a little more than a, a, a day. And, uh, and it is also interesting. Well, here, let's read. Now, in Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, 
which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it came about at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. And since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, entreating him, do not delay to come to us. Peter arose with them. And when he had come, they brought him into this upper room, and all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she uh, sat up. And he gave her into his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known all over Yafo, all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. You can see the relationship of the healing of uh, the man who had the paralysis to the raising up of Tabitha. Uh, that the end result is many came to believe uh, in the Lord. Now, what's interesting about this is these two healings, the healing of this man and the raising up of this uh, woman, uh, it's kind of interesting because they remind us of the ministry of Yeshua. We won't take the time at all to read, uh, we definitely won't take the time to read the passages. But if you read Luke chapter 7, remember Luke wrote Luke to Theophilus and he wrote Acts to Theophilus, right? In Luke chapter 7, you see one after the other, the healing of a paralytic and the raising up of someone from the dead. Like Yeshua did that. And it's almost like what Luke is doing is he's saying to us, and Peter's doing the same. Yeshua is alive and Peter is the spokesperson of Yeshua, healing a paralytic and raising someone from the dead. Not only that, but it is also a great reminder of 2 Kings 17, of 1 Kings 17, 2 Kings chapter 4, where also you read of Elijah and Elisha doing these very same kinds of miracles. And so we see the, uh, Peter is in this company of the prophets of Israel raising people from the dead and of Yeshua himself. Uh, and uh, Luke is bringing this out, this continuity of the story of Elijah, Elisha, Yeshua, Peter. Uh, it's not a different story. It is a continuation. The difference is, is that Yeshua is indeed the Messiah. And subsequent to Yeshua, we're filled with the Ruach, and uh, we do the work of Messiah in this world. Sometimes people are healed. Sometimes it's sharing the good news and miraculously seeing someone come to faith. God providing opportunities. You know, this past week when, um, when uh, Leroy White was in the hospital, a really great, a really neat thing happened. So, you know, he was a little down about being in the hospital and so on. And so his nurse came and I asked to see his nurse so she could explain to me exactly what was going on. So she asked me who I was. So I'm not going to tell you the first thing I said to her. But the second thing I said to her was, uh, you know, Beth Messiah congregation, so on and so forth. Uh, and so she says, oh, you're over there on Morse Road. I said, yeah. She says, oh, I'm a regular one. 
You know what she meant by a regular one? She meant she's Jewish. She's Jewish, but not, uh, you know, irregular like us, <laughs> right? Uh, and so I said to her, I said, oh, that's great. Do you have a synagogue that you attend? And she said, well, I used to go to Chabad until March, you know, until uh, the last few months. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And I said, you know, we're a little different. You know what Messianic is? And uh, so I proceeded to tell her. I, the first thing I said is, I said, you know, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I said, Jesus, so she knows what I'm talking about, right? I said, you know, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Not in spite of being Jewish, but because we're Jewish, you know? Uh, and I went on to say that, you know, in the future, it talks about Israel being this light of the nations and a house of prayer, a synagogue, the house of the temple, a house of prayer for all nations. Well, that's how, that's why Leroy White and Howard Silverman uh, have this uh, relationship, you know, uh, and so on and so forth. And I said a little bit more and, and then we went on. But what a shot in the arm that was to Leroy. That, wow, I'm in the hospital for such a time as this to share the message with this nurse. You see, that is I'll put that down as miraculous, you know, uh, and also Ken Cornwell, you know, he goes into the hospital, he had a heart attack, he comes out, fit as a fiddle, right? That's miraculous. And, uh, and what a great testimony, uh, indeed. Uh, and so God indeed is still, uh, is still at work. Now, some other things about this is that uh, this Tabitha, Dorcas in Greek, it says this woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she always, she continually did. So uh, the first thing that struck me in observing this, it says abounding in kindness, right? It's, that's what it says in uh, Exodus chapter 34, right? About the character of God, abounding in chesed. So here you have Tabitha abounding in chesed and uh, a charity. Now, this is very Jewish. I'm going to, I always like to use the word rabbinic, rabbinic, Jewish, because what he's saying is she was abounding in uh, chesed and tzedakah. Chesed and tzedakah. They're twins. Tzedakah, it, traditionally in Judaism, means being a philanthropic person, being a charitable giver. That's tzedakah. Not about the etymology of the word or righteousness. It means being a person who gives, gives, okay? Uh, and uh, chesed means it comes from the heart. Uh, acts of chasidim come from the heart. So you can be a, a tzaddik, but not be a chesed if you're giving with, a, with not a good motive. But you're a, you're a tzaddik under the umbrella of being a chasid if you give with, a, with the right heart. So she was like the double barrel uh, Hasid and Sadiq. And she's a woman of all things here, you know, uh, in the first century. So Luke is accentuating. Here is a woman who was uh, a charitable giver. Uh, and she made clothes, evidently, for, for poor people. What a wonderful woman. And the people whom she blessed are evidently the people who sent the messengers to bring in Peter. Uh, you, you know, uh, that they were blessed of her. So here she dies and they hear, they must have had great communication, by the way, in those days. They heard that Peter was not too far away. Bring him in, you know, and, uh, uh, and may he 
raise her uh, uh, from uh, the dead. And that is what he does. And uh, uh, it is very interesting, uh, maybe some other time in a Bible study, we can talk about some of the relationships of how Luke writes this and, uh, and how he writes uh, about uh, the healings uh, uh, elsewhere in the Gospel of Luke, but also in some of the other Gospels. Some of the Greek is very, very similar. And you really get the idea that what Luke is doing is pointing what Peter is doing back to Yeshua. It's really uh, very, very uh, uh, fascinating. But so here we see uh, the restoration of Hellenistic Jews. We see it is like under the chuppah, like a wedding, like good news. This is fantastic, right? Now it doesn't say, and so they repented, but we have to understand that when it says many believed in the Lord uh, and many came to faith in the Lord, you have to go back to the earlier chapters. And Luke had an understanding of this is what it meant. Yes, they repented, but he's accentuating the fact that he's bringing good news to these uh, uh, people and ministering to them, not just talking at them, but pouring himself into them. Uh, and, uh, you know, what a great message uh, that is for us. Uh, now, there's something else uh, here. There's the last verse. It said, verse 43, and it came about that he stayed many days in Jaffa with a certain tanner named Simon. Why does he lead this? What difference does it make where he stayed? Well, this is really very interesting uh, because uh, Simon the tanner uh, was a uh, Jewish man, Shimon, Jewish name, Jewish. But being a tanner was like the lowest of occupations. Okay, remember the Honeymooners TV show? Remember Ed Norton, Ed Norton, the sewer worker, right? You know, it's like being a tanner was like the lowest occupation because you were dealing with unclean animals. You were dealing with blood and you were dealing with carcasses and, and, and all of that. And so this would be an occupation that nobody really wants to have, uh, but was necessary. Now, he wasn't an outcast or anything like that. It was a recognized profession. But for example, uh, he would not be able to go uh, into the temple environs because he was a tanner. Uh, he would be considered ritually unclean, not morally unclean, but ritually unclean. So isn't it amazing that that's where Peter stays? He stays with Simon the tanner. It didn't, evidently, it did not matter to Peter what his occupation was. It did not matter to Peter what his station in life was. Everything matters in where Peter goes and what he does and where he stays and uh, all of it. And so we, we kind of get a slice of the ethics, the pathos, the ethos of uh, the early believers when we read this. So what do we learn there's an emphasis on caring for people as a testimony, okay? Uh, you know, uh, there's a book called Evangelism in the First Century by a man named Michael Green. I don't even know if it's in print anymore. But he talks about these kinds of things, the methods uh, that, that people use. One was sharing testimonies, sharing meals together, but also caring for people. And 
In caring for people, that means personal encounters with people at their homes. Not just this, you know, like a, a impersonal sharing the message, but caring for people at their homes. Now, I, now these people were believers, so he was concerned for them, the, the Messianic community, but also as a testimony. Another thing we learn here is it's men and women that uh, a man is healed of paralysis. It is a woman who is raised from the dead. And we don't know anything about the man, but about the woman, we know what she was like, that she was abounding in chesed and tzedakah, a great woman uh, who had a great reputation. So in the book of Acts, we will see women play a very strategic and important role uh, here. And Luke is accentuating that. Uh, also, generosity is accentuated. The, generos the generosity of Tabitha, the generosity of Simon the Tanner, having Peter stay with him, hospitality, generosity. We read about generosity in chapter 2 and chapter 4, what the congregation was known for, giving, helping one another. That is, these are not extras. Generosity, caring for people, hospitality. These are not the ancillary things like the extra things as part of a community of believers. It's not just about show up at the service, right? One of the things we're learning during this pandemic is showing up at the service may not be prime, maybe in our culture, it's primary. But what is primary is pouring ourselves into one another. We don't read about Peter preaching to a whole group of people, but he makes a really big difference when he goes to people's houses, when he ministers to them, when he meets up with them, when he pours himself into them. It is a testimony to them. It builds up the community and it leads to opportunities of testimony. It's not about the show. It's not about the show. And that may be difficult for us, but I believe that is a good thing coming out of this, uh, that when we read about this kind of thing. Also, the idea of visiting the sick. Just visiting the sick is a good thing to do when people are ill, to call them on the phone. Maybe you can visit them. Maybe, you know, it might not, it might not be healthy to visit people, whatever. But you can call, you can text, you can send an email. You can go out of your way a little bit. You know, when we do meet together and someone asks for a ride, Usually what we think is, well, who lives near them to pick them up and bring them? Well, here is, here is a radical thought. Maybe it doesn't matter who lives near them to bring them. Maybe somebody should rise to the occasion and say, I don't care where they live. They're in central Ohio. I mean, they're in the Columbus metropolitan area, right? I'm, I mean, I'm not going to Toledo. I'll miss the service. I can't do that. But, you know, if I live in Dublin, I can pick somebody up in Canal Winchester. It's not going to be the end of the world, right? And that's about just giving of ourselves and kind of like Peter visiting the sick and being a testimony. And then this issue of Simon the Tanner. <laughs> that's a sermon unto itself, Right that it doesn't matter. The economic, social position of people does not matter in the body of Messiah. And you know, that is a great thing about our community. We have people all over the map when it comes to that. And it doesn't matter. It really, it doesn't. We're brothers and sisters in Messiah. Uh, and that is what 
you know, Peter is bringing out. And finally, the very last thing I want to say here is, is that, you know, meanwhile, something we don't read in Luke is at this time, things were getting pretty rough in regard to the Romans and the Roman oppression of the Jewish people all over uh, Judea, all over the area, right? Uh, the Romans were pressing in. But one thing we learn here is that to Peter and the other apostles, their mission was to advance the cause of the Messiah. We don't read about them doing anything else. The times were very difficult, but, but their mission was to advance the cause of the Messiah. They were flexible in their methods. You know, uh, when uh, Peter heals the man, he says, Yeshua HaMashiach heals you. When he raises the woman from the dead, he just says, get up. It doesn't mean that it's not in the name of Yeshua. It doesn't mean... It's just that they were flexible and they didn't do everything by rote in the very same way. They were living as if Yeshua was right there and that he was their king on their throne. And all they cared about was fulfilling their calling. You know, I said this in a Facebook uh, post, live post last week. But, you know, two of the apostles, one was Simon the Zealot and another one was Matthew the tax gatherer. Simon the Zealot was Mr. Jewish patriotic, not only get rid of the Romans, but kill them if you can, right? Matthew was like a collaborator with the Romans. He, he's collecting taxes from the Jews on behalf of the Romans. Let me tell you, politically, they would have been in opposite worlds. But the point is, is that when they come to know the Lord, that's all way down here. But their whole, their whole thought process is advancing the cause of King Messiah, and may that be our cause too, advancing the cause of Yeshua. And so may we be encouraged uh, to see what Peter is doing. Of course, in the text, what is this? It is all the introduction to Peter bringing the good news to the Gentiles, right? Because Joppa and Lida were Jewish Gentile communities. And when it says many were coming to faith, we have to understand that as many Jews and some Gentiles may have been coming to faith. But now in chapter 10, this is a pivotal place. And next week, we will begin the story uh, of Cornelius. Very good. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for uh, this message of the restoration of Israel. Thank you, Lord, that it really is good news. It really is good news. And Lord, may we see that when we're sharing the good news, it's as if people are under the chuppah and we are uh, helping them to embrace uh, uh, King Messiah. And uh, Lord God, uh, through word and deed, may we pour ourselves into other people's lives. Lord, whether we're talking about people in our own community or we're talking about just people out there, God. And uh, may, through our personal concern for people and the words and actions that come out of our lips, out of our heart, out of our fingertips as we type sometimes, uh, and out of our actions in, out in the street or at the store, may we make a difference in people's lives, and may the name of Yeshua be glorified, and may people turn to you.
That is indeed our call. We pray in Messiah's name. Amen.